Hello and welcome to another episode of Crash, the UK Geek Podcast, otherwise known as still Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 388, recorded on Friday the 18th of June 2021. And the time at the beginning of the show is 01.45 and 1 second. Yes, that is a fairly insane time to record a podcast. But here we are. Oh, and by the way, I am recording on the wrong day, of course, but I will make every effort to make sure the release day is the correct day, and that is Friday, which means a lot of podcast editing for me in a few hours. Let's begin with the state of the rewatch. As you can hear at the moment, the rewatch continues. I'm back again with another retro rewatch or recap or whatever silly words SEO begs me to type. If you're from the future, SEO stood for Search Engine Optimization, and it was a complete and utter pain in the backside. As I said last time, my lack of sleep is the root of most of the health problems that I'm experiencing right now. A few days ago, lack of sleep made me feel absolutely diabolical. I felt like I was falling apart. Those disturbed sleep patterns are the main thing preventing me from more podcasting. Those saying that I'm taping this at just past quarter to two on Friday morning, that can't be a good way to catch up on sleep. My bedroom temperature last night was 27 degrees centigrade. That hot weather is not helping me sleep either. Of course, losing some weight would help too, and I could blame coronavirus for keeping me in, but frankly, I was laying on the lard even before that. What other news do I have before we start? Um, okay, if you've been looking at my Twitter feed, you'll see that I grew a beard, a rather large goatee, which I'm calling either the beard of captaining or wizarding. I can't decide which, much like the title of my podcast. That facial hair has now been removed. It has been destroyed by my trusty Mercur razor and my excellent ninja. <laughs> They're not ninja. Feather blades. Because it has been so hot. Did I say it's hot? Have I said enough times it's hot? It is slightly cooler tonight, though. Thank God. Which means t-shirt, weather, not ice cubes tied around your forehead. That could have got rude. Tonight, we are continuing our revisit of Vintage Doctor Who. Tonight, we are talking about the Doctor Who adventure entitled The Invisible Enemy from 1977. Let's start off with some notes. 
Tom Baker, of course, is playing the fourth Doctor. His companion is Leela. And his other companion, and this is a bit of a spoiler, is Canine, played by John Leeson. In other words, plural companions this week. The director was Derek Goodwin, the writer Bob Baker and Dave Martin, the producer Graham Williams. Regarding locations, the model filming was at Bray Studios in Slough, where I used to work. Not at Bray Studios, but in Slough. It wasn't the greatest job in the world, so maybe move on. And also at BBC Television Centre at Shepherd's Bush. And the filming took place between March and April 1977. The model filming only took a few days, and most of the rest of it was in a studio. That sounds like a lot of work for the model makers. This is Serial... Two of season 15, consisting of four 25-minute episodes. It was first broadcast from the 1st of October to the 22nd of October 1977, and followed Horror of Fang Rock, which we covered in pod 385. Let's move on to our On This Day segment. And On This Day couple of things actually happened on the 1st of October 1977. First, and probably less important to the world in general, but pretty important to geeks, is that there was a wicked disco cover medley called Star Wars slash Cantina Ban by the artist Mecco from the album Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk. The song hit number one in the US Billboard Hot 100 on October the 1st, 1977, and stayed there for two weeks, but only reached number seven in the UK singles chart. Apathetic, bloody country. Yes, that is a variation from a quote from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Moving on to the next world-shaking event that happened on that day. If I was to be fair, this is probably more important. The famous, amazing footballer Pele, real name Edson Arantes do Nascimento, played his final football match and then retired. Fasten your seatbelts, we're getting into the TARDIS and flying off into this adventure now, and let me tell you what happens. During an attempt to negotiate a hazardous field of asteroids, three astronauts are sucked into an energy field which infects the crew. They fly to Titan base, kill the staff, except for Supervisor Lowe, who escapes and manages to send out a mayday. As this happens, the Doctor and Leela are in the main console room, this is a room that Leela has not seen before. They were in the other console room. Was it the auxiliary console room? And they are there to receive that SOS call. They begin making their way to Titan Base, responding to that, but are also hit by the same energy field. The Doctor, though not Leela, is afflicted with the nucleus of the infection, but revives and continues the journey 
over Leela's objections because she senses an evil force at work. Once at Titan Base, Leela rescues an almost frozen low who has been trapped by the infected behind an airlock door. Meanwhile, the Doctor's infection takes hold after the infected send more of the energy into him and then instruct him to kill Leela. There is a confrontation in which one of the infected are killed by Leela, but in the struggle, Lo is infected. The Doctor faints, revives, tells Lo he needs medical attention, and Lo leaves with him for the Bai'al Foundation, which is a nearby hospital station. The Doctor, quite sneakily, because he is still in partial control of his faculties, tells Leela the coordinates, and she takes the TARDIS there herself. At the hospital station, the Doctor meets a chap called Professor Marius, while the infected Lo spreads the infection around the hospital to other members of staff. Professor Marius has a robot dog called K9, which is a replacement for his pet on Earth that he had to leave behind when he came to the station. K9, an advanced AI, tells Marius that the Doctor is an alien infected by a virus. The Doctor wakes, talks to Marius, and realises that the virus infects the intellect, but because a person like Leela relies more on intuition and instinct, it cannot affect her, and so it sees her as a threat. As Marius prepares to operate on the Doctor, the virus, sensing a threat, makes a ship crash, and the infected attack while Leela and K9 defend. With very little time left in which to decide what to do, the Doctor and Professor Marius decide to clone the Doctor and Leela, and then shrink them using the TARDIS's technology, and then send them into the Doctor's body to attack the nucleus directly. Once the clones are shrunk and injected into the Doctor's body. The cloned Doctor and Leela fight hazards like the Doctor's immune system. They eventually find the nucleus in the Doctor's imagination centre. In the corridor outside, K9 and Leela have been defending against incursion by the infected, but are overcome and K9 is infected and ordered to kill Leela. But Leela is only stunned while K9 shuts down. Now that the infected supervisor Lo has access to the operating theatre, he clones himself, shrinks the clone, and injects it into the Doctor. Within the Doctor's brain, the cloned... Doctor and Leela talk to the Nucleus, which refuses to negotiate. 
saying that it has every right to survive and procreate like any other predator in the universe. And further says that it will use the TARDIS to spread itself. The cloned Lo and Leela fight. Leela wins and leaves Lo to be attacked by the Doctor's immune cells. The clone Doctor runs out of time before he can shoot the nucleus and both he and the Leela clones disintegrate. The nucleus escapes via the Doctor's tear duct and is enlarged by the machine. It emerges from the chamber and resembles a very big prawn. Full-size and real Leela disguises herself as one of the infected, rescues the Doctor and both escape with K-9 to the TARDIS. The Doctor finds out that the Leela's clone presence in his body has made him resistant to the virus. Using that knowledge, he creates a serum and cures Professor Marius, setting him the task of making more of the antidote. The Doctor, K-9 and Leela then leave for Titan, where the Doctor plans to use the serum to stop the replication of the spawning organisms. Whereas Leela wants to blow up the base. When they arrive on Titan, they find that they are too late to help the infected, who are now also more resistant to their weapons. The Doctor also manages to lose the serum during a confrontation with Lo, and instead traps the nucleus full-size prawn creature and booby traps the hatch that it stuck behind. The three escape and the creature manages to force open the hatch door. The Doctor has booby-trapped that hatch door with a blaster. The triggers wired to both sides of the door and when the creature opens that door, it sets the blaster off and there's all this flammable gas leaking around the base. So there's a massive explosion that our three heroes witness before they return to the hospital. Professor Marius then asks the doctor to look after K-9 because he can't take the robot back to Earth due to his personal baggage allowance. Things never really change. And the Doctor, Leela and K-9 leave in the TARDIS. Let's move on to what I thought. The way the infection took over and the centralised control of the nucleus reminded me of both the Borgs of Star Trek The Next Generation and the Queen. The infected even have a Borgish catchphrase. They say contact has been made when they are infected and are now part of the group mind or collective or swarm or hive and also their ability to develop resistance to energy weapons. 
as well as the intelligent biological contagion of the amnion in Stephen R. Donaldson's The Gap Cycle, which, by the way, is an excellent series of books that you should read. I've read them. They're brilliant. Go and find them. And that is The Gap Cycle by Stephen R. Donaldson. I've probably even talked about this in the podcast. Who knows? The journey through the Doctor's body in The Invisible Enemy is clearly influenced by Fantastic Voyage from 1966, and perhaps also influenced the bioprinting technology of Red Dwarf 11, Episode 4, Officer Rimmer, which is a really funny episode that you'll like. And you'll never think of a photocopy jam the same way again. Wait a minute, do we even have photocopiers anymore? Hmm. While we're talking about the clones, I was sad about them. They have a limited lifespan that stretches only to ten scant minutes, not even the four years of Eldon Terrell's Nexus 6 series of replicants from Blade Runner. The 1982 original, and still the best. Let's talk props now. There are lots and lots of control panels and techy-looking things, and they all have buttons, and those buttons tend to be rectangular and kind of wobbly plastic-looking. That style of switch, I know this is a minor thing, drilling down to the switches themselves, are going to stick around for years on Doctor Who and later Blake 7. So get used to them. There's also this strangely psychedelic-looking spacey font used in the signage. It looks like something that should really be from the 60s, or flower power and that kind of thing, not really the 1970s, or maybe Stoner Rock or something. It's got that vibe about it. As far as the effects go, I enjoyed the space effects. The spacecraft models were cool, and the pyrotechnics were acceptable. Let's talk about creature design now. The main creature was impressive. However, it was also very, very silly. It was so silly, it made me laugh out loud when the true majesty of a full-size ambulatory prawn is revealed. Even the Doctor ridicules it, calling it a pathetic crustacean. (laughs) Despite being called a reject... Uh, according to the Nucleus, and a Savage, according to the Doctor, Leela's finely honed military and hunting instincts about evil are correct. She is also intelligent enough in this story to begin learning to read from the Doctor. We know this because it is evidenced by the chalkboard in the console room of the TARDIS. By the way, learning to read as an adult is not easy. It does require some extra intelligence. It's much easier when you're a child. Then there is the methodical way she learns to kill the infected, 
by stabbing a knife blade into the neck, and that scene is disturbing. Also disturbing is the calmness she displays when she described the process to the doctor. I was disturbed. It reminds us that Leela is a hardened and ruthless warrior, which really isn't something we need reminding of. We're reminded of it all the time. I mean, she's constantly killing people and creatures and aliens, and even quite recently she has been sticking people with those fatal thorns that she carries around and that the Doctor has forbade her to use. She's still doing that. She doesn't in this story, but she has done quite recently. And those thorns are quite nasty. I can't remember their name. Once you are pricked by one of those thorns, that is it. You are completely paralyzed instantly, and you are fully conscious as your body starts to fail and you die. She is a Stone Age Terminator. Terminatrix? Terminator. Terminatrix? Oh, I don't know. I'm going with Terminatrix. It sounds cooler. She also inspires the Doctor again, this time to blow up the station. She accidentally gave the Doctor the idea of building a laser in Horror of Fang Rock that we covered in 385, but this time her recommendation is intentional. As if... All that character development in Leela wasn't enough. We now learn that Leela can memorize space coordinates, and she can also now pilot the TARDIS. I am scared of Leela. I like Leela. Have I said that before? Probably. Now that we've talked about the Doctor's usual companion, let's talk about his brand new companion. K-9, the robot dog. As a child, I used to love K-9. However, as I got older, my feelings became more ambivalent. And later, when I was an adult, I was repulsed by his creepy obsequiousness. You can hear it in his subservient voice. There's something repulsive about it. In this revisit of Doctor Who and seeing K-9 again, I think that K-9 is an odd choice for a companion. He was clearly introduced to amuse and endear himself to children. And while the characters of Leela and the Doctor bond with him, that's just good acting. I can't imagine the actors Baker and Jameson happy to be upstaged by a robot dog. It's a little insulting. Baker said to the Radio Times in 2014, I didn't like K-9 at all. Due to his discomfort when having to kneel down before the dog, because the dog's so short, and if they're doing a dialogue scene, his head has to be at the same level as the dog's head. He also didn't like K-9 because the, I'm assuming, radio-controlled contraption was very slow moving around the set. However, 
Is K9 more annoying than Adric? <laughs> Alright, we're quite a few years away from Adric, but let me know if you think K9 is more annoying than Adric, or is Adric more annoying than K9? Or can you think of a more annoying companion? Bonnie Langford. <clears throat> no, that's being cruel. Finally, the last bit of the what I thought section. Did you think that Professor Marius is a dead ringer for Eddie Izzard in goatee mode? I'm not sure what Eddie Izzard's current look is, but think back to when he had a goatee beard. That is Professor Marius. Let's move on to some trivia. Matt Irvin, a visual effects guy, says that the model used for the surface of Titan was the same one used for the surface of the moon in space 1999. Another show that I really love. Finally, Supervisor Lowe was played by an actor called Michael Shard, who you may know as nasty old Mr. Bronson from Grange Hill, the children's TV show set in a comprehensive school. If you're not from the UK, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but you will also know him as the unfortunate Imperial Admiral in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Qualitatively, the best Star Wars film, but for sentimental reasons, I also like the first film. This week, for perhaps the first time in a long time, I'm not quite sure. Have I done this before? Listener comments. I have so few listener comments, so this is a bit of a treat. I say at the beginning of my show notes, again a comment from Salty Space Girl, which means, yes, I have done listener comments again, and probably quite recently. Salty Girl is on Twitter, and this comment is from about three weeks ago. And she says, I remember feeling disturbed that the Doctor could actually get sick. The concept of walking around inside your own head made me quite squeamish. Watch out, Doctor. Don't break anything. And, of course, we meet K-9 in this episode, one of the greatest companions. And there you are. We already have a response about how some fans feel about K-9, one of the greatest companions. Next, we have a comment from Michael Shane at glitter underscore rock on Twitter from that same time period. Michael Shane said that was a great story, not just for the introduction of K9, but the fact the Doctor was out of commission, clone notwithstanding, for most of it. It really gave Leela a chance to shine, and yeah, that is true. There was a lot of stuff with Leela in this episode. In the last revisit, 385, I considered pre-canvassing listeners for comments 
about a story that I'm about to cover so that I could include their comments in the same pod in which I talk about that particular adventure. Though I have done this now, I don't want to do it again. The reason I don't want to do that is I haven't seen or can't remember having seen some of these stories because it has been just so, so long since I've seen them the first time round. I don't want spoilers. Yeah, I myself do not want to have my stories spoiled. And it's all my fault. I asked for comments before I'd actually rewatched a story. I won't be doing that again. Instead of that, I'll ask for comments after uploading and read them out in a later episode of the podcast. That should please everyone. Again, I'd like to thank the two commenters for their comments. That was really nice. It does add more of a community feeling to my show. But the show is now finished. The show that you've just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. You can also contact my complaints department at null if you're using a Microsoft OS or at slash dev slash null if you're using Linux or MacOS. I know that's a tired old techie joke. Perhaps I'll stop using it. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, though I particularly favour reviews and ratings on iTunes, because that tends to be the mothership where all other pod-catching crawlers get their data from. You can also recommend my show to a friend or a mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. And that is it. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 388, recorded on Friday the 18th of June 2021. And the time at the end of the show is a horrific 0 to 40.56. I really have to go to bed now. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!